0: From the Jennifer and Ted Stanley Studios in Boston, this is Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. The scientific consensus holds that climate change is upon us, but there are many different projections as to how fast it's happening and how hot it might get. Now, a new study has found that the most alarming global warming estimates may in fact be the most accurate. Joining us is one of the report's lead authors, John Fasulo, a climate scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to Living on Earth. Thanks for having me. So what are the various projections that have been made about the extent of global warming?
1: Well, we have a range of about 3 degrees Fahrenheit to 8 degrees. To make that understandable, the the basic question we're trying to answer is whether or not uh, New York City becomes more like Richmond, Virginia in the future, or whether it becomes more like Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Now, when you say 3 to 8 degrees, we're talking Fahrenheit, we're talking Celsius.
1: We're talking Fahrenheit, and we're talking by 2100. So, of course, there's the capacity for further warming after that, or if we take action to curb climate change, uh, less warming eventually.
0: So why is there such a large range uh, between these estimates?
1: Well, it all relates to how clouds change in the models. The largest source of uncertainty is how clouds will change in a warming environment. Some models show that clouds will increase in extent in a warmer climate and reflect more sunlight back to space, while other models show clouds will actually decrease in extent and let more sunlight into the system.
0: So how did you take uh, cloud cover into account for your analysis?
1: evaluating clouds in models is difficult the challenge because our observations of clouds are not too good and then comparing those observations to models isn't straightforward it's not an apples to apples comparison so we try to skirt this whole issue by looking at the environment in which clouds occur rather than clouds themselves things like relative humidity in the environment and over the past ten years we've had NASA satellites that have observed relative humidity on a global scale throughout the atmosphere And so we've been able to take those observations and ask the question, which models actually reproduce the relative humidity variations that we see more accurately?
0: Which of the projections ended up being the most accurate?
1: Well, it turns out that there's a set of models that is generally on the low end of the spectrum for projecting the future that uh, does a very poor job in resolving these basic interactions that we see in the observations. There are these areas of the tropics called the dry zones, and and we think of tropics as being very moist. But in fact, once you get away from the surface in the tropics, most of the tropics is actually very dry. As these dry zones expand over time, you can think of it as as an iris of the climate system, that that iris opens up and the amount of clouds decreases, therefore letting more sunlight into the system and adding to additional warming. There is a set of models that's generally doing this very well, and those tend to be on the higher range of the spectrum for future projections.
0: Which models are those?
1: One is from the UK Met Office, one is from NCAR, where I work in Boulder, Colorado, and then one is from Japan.
0: Now, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is made up uh, literally of thousands of scientists from around the world, the models that they have accepted have consistently underestimated the extent of warming. Why do you suppose that is?
1: Well, I think um, you know, that body tends to be fairly apolitical and is hesitant to make a judgment as to which models are more reliable unless there's some very sound scientific basis for doing so. So they tend to weight all the models evenly, even though within the science community we know that some of the models are better than others. Um, and so this is an attempt to provide an objective measure as to which models are doing the best. And, and therefore, maybe we should screen out a few of the models before we uh, make a projection of what the future holds.
0: What are the prospects of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change taking your research and applying it to their next series of reports, which come next year?
1: Well, they have included my analysis in their uh, next report, and so it'll be up to the authors as to how they incorporate that information. It's a very difficult problem. It's been around for 30 years, and they're going to be hesitant to make any bold proclamations based on a single study, and I think they should be. I think that science generally uh, works by consensus and an evolving understanding of the issues, and so this will be one piece of evidence that they consider, but really there needs to be a broader effort across the scientific community to improve models and create a uh, more complete. picture as to what the uh, the possible future may hold.
0: Based on your study, how hot do you think the world is going to get?
1: We feel that the upper half of the range of uh, 5 degrees Fahrenheit to 8 degrees Fahrenheit is probably most likely by 2100, but a lot of that warming is really up to us as well. How much are we going to emit into the atmosphere and how strongly are we going to force the climate system and and that is something that we can control and um, we really should make it a focus. What would the world be like
0: five degrees
1: hotter? Some of the scenarios that we look at in these models are really quite alarming. It's a whole different world. Uh, The character of snow, of sea ice, uh, the Arctic changes uh, considerably, and that doesn't even touch on the question of adaptation and whether various parts of the environment that we live in are going to be able to adapt to such a sudden and uh, really large shift in temperature zones. What do you hope comes out of this research? Well, we have two main messages, and one is, from a policy standpoint, we really need to consider the best science in forging the best policy for dealing with global warming. And it's certainly upon us and is going to continue to uh, to get worse. Putting our heads in the sand doesn't help us prepare for the future that we're living into. Um, the other message that from our study is to model in communities and to uh, give a message as to how best to improve models so that we can better serve the needs of society.
0: What's it like to work on climate research in a nation where there's been so much well-funded skepticism against this concept?
1: It's a challenge. And um, I think most of the scientists who work in the field have a sense that eventually the truth will win out. But what is frustrating is that we are in some ways racing against the clock. If we keep emitting more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and then wait to deal with it, we're going to look at greater impacts overall from sea level rise and weather extremes. And so... The more we delay action, the more expense we have to deal with instead of dealing with it inexpensively upfront and as soon as possible. John
0: Fasullo is a climate scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado. Thank you so much, John.
1: Thank you, Steve.